my soul will remain restless until it rests in you. These words confessed by St. Augustine have echoed across the centuries and remain a common thread to reverts and converts alike. These are the testimonies of those that have come to rest in the fullness of truth. This is Catholic Recon with your host, Eddie Trask. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Before we get to this week's guest, I want to remind you to subscribe, to share, to comment, and to invite those that you know, friends and family that may be reverts or converts. And I would love to chat with them and potentially get them on the show. This week's guest is Tyler Woodcook, who is... Um, a good friend of mine and who I've known now for, I think, three plus years, right, Tyler? Somewhere in there. Yeah, three or four years. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we go to the same parish and we've we've shared some um, some great stories over the years. Tyler, first of all, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. And thank you for thank you for thinking of me and asking me to be here. Absolutely. Um why don't you tell the the viewers how your faith journey began? Uh, sure. Um, I have uh, been, I, I like to consider myself, uh, I am a convert to the Catholic Church, but I like to consider myself really a follower and uh, a disciple and a lover of Jesus Christ pretty much my entire life. Um, I came from a different Christian background. Uh, I came into the Catholic Church later, I believe um, 13 years ago is when uh, I went through RCIA and joined the church. But um, I had several steps along my walk along the way. Uh, I actually started, um, I was born into a family that uh, was part of the Nazarene Church, which is a Protestant denomination. Um, it's where my, my journey and my, my relationship with Christ started. Uh, both of my grandfathers were pastors in the Nazarene church. Uh, one of them, my mother's father was the pastor of the same, uh, congregation in a little town called Sterling, Illinois for 40 years. Uh, in fact, you can still go on Google, at least as of this recording, uh, look at Google Maps, and it will zoom in on his parish, and, and he was there for so long, the the parish hall, the, you know, the event and gathering center, you can still see his name on the side of the building, even though he's passed on years ago. So he, he uh, uh, was pretty much part of one parish, or one, one, one congregation, and my father's father um, traveled around to several different, got different calls and different uh, um, churches that he was assigned to, which actually brought my family out here to Idaho. Uh, he was assigned to Nampa First Church uh, back before I was even born. My parents came out here and fell in love with Idaho. So uh, that was my, that was what the, the church I was raised in. Uh, a lot of my faith formation, original formation. Now, like a lot for, of young those, people, for those that do not know, how would you sure. describe the Nazarene denomination, if, if that's how you refer to it? Wonderful. I'll try to get my history correct and apologies to any Nazarenes that are listening that are wrong, that it says this is factually incorrect, but um, it's, a, it's a younger denomination. It's been around about a little over a uh, little over 100 years. I remember when they celebrated their centennial uh, right around the time I was getting married and we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. So about 115 years ago, 
um, and uh, broke off from the uh, Methodist church. Uh, my understanding of church history is the founders were concerned that um, maybe the Methodists were getting a little too worldly. And I think you see some of that, unfortunately, it just breaks my heart, but you see some of that playing out now in, but that's another conversation. Um, but wanted to get back to the spreading of the good word and uh, charity and being there for um, uh, helping make disciples out of Christ for, for Christ. Um, there's a, there, they are um, a smaller, I'd say a smaller denomination compared to the uh, Methodism, Lutherans, uh, Presbyterians, Baptists, and such, but a uh, very, very uh, large group here in the Boise, Idaho area. They run the uh, the college, the university, uh, Northwest Nazarene over in Nampa. Um, one thing I really, um, uh, my family had several different, um, I guess, reactions to uh, being raised in the church. And um, I still have a great fondness for the church. It's where, it's where I first came to know Christ. So yeah. um, uh, how can I not? Uh, after, um, after high school, uh, college out of my own, like a lot of young people, um, I would never say I fell away from my faith, but um, I didn't practice it actively. You know, um, months went by, I did not attend service. Um, prayed every day, uh, always uh, in the forefront of my mind, uh, God and my relationship with the Almighty. But um, I wouldn't say I was practicing, um, doing a very good job practicing. Uh, years later, um, early 30s, um, got involved with Methodist Church, wanted to start to reigniting my faith walk, my, my journey with God, and uh, got involved with a uh, Methodist congregation uh, here in town um, and uh, kind of took the next couple of steps. And then my journey into the Catholic Church, um, I met like a lot of great stories, started with a girl, and I met uh, the woman that would eventually become my wife. And um, I, one of my most, I think, remarkable um, aspects of my journey, I credit two of my um, pastors, I would say, with my journey that are outside of the church that actually helped bring me to the Catholic Church. First one was my youth counselor um, when I was in the Nazarene Church, helped keep me involved, helped keep me uh, excited about being part of that, and, and it just a very, very welcoming environment for me. The second one was my pastor at with the Methodist Church. And um, when my wife and I started to realize that we probably had a future together, um, I was concerned because she is a very um, faithful and practicing cradle Catholic. And she was very comfortable, you know, with the idea of maybe not me being there yet. Uh, I was obviously a, a lover of Christ. Um, but, um, I can definitely tell you that, uh, thinking about the future and, and, and what, what, you know, how plausible that might be, uh, our, our differences with our relationship with, with God and Christ, um, it's the closest we ever came to, to breaking up. Um, we, I certainly personally did not want to burden her. She came from, 
family with a lot of, uh, you know, different ideas of, of marriage between two people. And she'd certainly seen the, I mean, wonderfully devoted people who love each other very much, but had seen the struggles that that can sometimes call, you know, happen with a, with, with people of two different backgrounds or two different belief structures. And, um, we got pretty close to saying, Hey, you know what? Um, maybe the best thing to do is let this person, um, be without me so they can continue their journey. So I went to my pastor and talked to him at the, at the Methodist church and talked to him about it and said, you know, I, I really love this girl very much. And I, I, I see my future with her, but I don't want to deny her, her, um, her walk with God or um, I'm concerned. Is this going to be a, a concern? And I was fully expecting to hear, um, Tyler, you, you know, you're right to think about this. You're right to um, have these concerns. I've, I've seen this before a hundred times in my career. Uh, it's not what I got. What I got was um, I'll, I'll, just very remarkable. And I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate it forever. And he said, um, obviously, as a Methodist pastor, I've made my stand. I've made my bed. Um, paraphrasing, of course. But he said, you know, this is where I, I stand. But if you search the history of the church, if you go back to Europe and, and Rome and the Vatican, and you look at the history of the church and its fathers and the people that brought us to where we are today. He said, you can't deny the, uh, the influence of the, of the church, the history of the Catholic church, where we've all come from. And he said, and I feel like today with the reformation, with Protestantism, um, the church is a lot like a mirror in my opinion, and it reflects light. And due to the, 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 the Protestant uh, split, or the Orthodox split, um, the mirror has been shattered in a certain way. The family, the body of Christ, those who wish to follow him have, have, been, have been fractured. But each piece of those fractures does reflect some of the light, some of the truth. And he said, before you let, give up on this relationship, I would invite you to find out if what you believe about this church is what the church actually truly professes. Um, so anyway, he, he asked me to investigate um, what I perceived the church to be and why I felt those divisions would doom this relationship and what is possibly the real truth. So I had already really begun my journey and started to fall in love with the church, um, but I we decided to continue with our courtship. We got engaged. Um, we got married. We got married in a Catholic ceremony. And a little something a little interesting about um, a lot of Protestant churches have different ideas about this. I mean, as far as I can tell, they all believe in the um, sacrament of baptism. But the Nazarene church has a slightly different approach. Um, they put great emphasis on it, but what they believe is that this should be a decision. Uh, this is your choice to follow. This makes you part of the family of God. So this is a choice that people should make for themselves. So often uh, infants are not baptized. 
uh, they wait till they get a little older and then they can make that choice for themselves. So what they will often do is called a dedication where the parents will essentially have that, um, I'm giving this child back to God. I'm promising to take care of this child for God. So when I was about ready to get married, I called my grandfather's church. Now he had passed on for several years, but I called the church in Sterling and I said, you know, this is Tyler. I'm, uh, this is who my grandfather is. And um, I'm getting married. I'm marrying a local gal here and I need my baptism record. And she said, no problem. I in a book back there somewhere. Just give me a couple days and I'll, I'll get it for you. So called back a few days later. And she said, um, Tyler, I'm sorry, there's no baptismal record for you back there. And I said, uh, that's impossible. <laughs> my, my cousin and I got baptized on the same day. We, you know, that my, uh, my grandfather, I mean, my, 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 you know, I, I've heard stories about it. I, I, I'm sorry, that's just, that's, that can't be correct. Can we look again? And she said, well, you know, uh, a few months after you were born, I do have a record of dedication uh, for you and your cousin. Uh, but no baptismal record. So um, I, and I remember chatting with my folks and saying, you know, uh, what's, you know, do you, can you, can you shed some light on this? And she said, oh yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a uh, dedication. So I discovered I wasn't even baptized oh. and uh, went through and got married and started thinking, I, I want to get, you know, this process done. I want to do this for God. And still, you know, involved in my Methodist congregation, um, we, we, we were married and, and settling into our new life together. And um, I remember one spring, uh, so we got married in uh, October of 2008. And I remember around 2009, I wanted to get myself baptized. But I felt a hesitancy. And it wasn't because I, I, I didn't place the internal importance on baptism, but I felt there was something coming. Um, and I could, I, I just started feeling that something else was going on. And I started reading uh, some books on the church, um, nothing really from the fathers or anything, nothing too deep or heavy, but just, this is what Catholics believe. It's, it's not a pro, it's not a con, it's, this is a textbook, almost like a super light version of the catechism. And really started realizing a lot of stuff of what I had believed, what I had thought, what I had been taught, maybe not necessarily taught, but just kind of assumed um, was not uh, accurate, just like my pastor had talked. And I really became falling in love with the church. I'd fallen of this woman and she had helped bring me to this place. And I remember we went to mass one night at St. John's and they had announced next door, after church tonight in the uh, uh, gymnasium over at St. Joe's, they're having a little uh, career fair, a little activity fair or anything if you'd like to go over there. And so I said, let's go check that out real quick. And I already knew what I wanted to do when I was over there. I didn't want to, I want the genie out of the bottle yet because I know, you know, once you make that, that, that idea of this is what I'm exploring or this is what I'm thinking, you, you can't go back. So, but when we were over there, I went to the RCIA table and um, my wife was just absolutely floored. And she's like, well, you know, are, are you thinking about doing this? And I said, yes, I am. And at that point, I was, you know, still saying, I, I'm discerning, I'm discerning, you know. But um, I was pretty much certain where I wanted 
to go or what I was hoping to find at the end of this tunnel. And so um, I had asked a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, if uh, he would be my sponsor. I needed to have a sponsor because I was pretty certain that um, I couldn't have her be my sponsor. It'd be a little too close. But I uh, had talked to someone who asked uh, Father Mariush about this. Is it okay if Tyler's um, uh, wife is his sponsor? And he said, yes, he's not doing it for her. He has completely uh, independent in, uh, intentions on this. Uh, it's perfectly fine with me. So she became my sponsor. And as I went through the process about halfway through, um, I wouldn't say guilt, but I started kind of hitting that, you know, the devil getting in my head. And what are you doing? What's going on? Because I, I will be very honest that most of the people in my life, most of the, my family and whatnot, um, were very excited and very happy about this journey. But there were some people that were um, not. And really that came from, and this is not the Nazarene's problem, but growing up in a very restrictive environment, I think they felt like I grew up under the um, heavy influence of um, religious doctrine. And you can only, you know, no, no matter how conservative or restricted or oppressive it might have been, um, it, it can't hold a candle to the Catholics. I, you know what I mean? So I think they thought I was going deeper into that. But that's their own opinion on that. Overwhelmingly, I would say most people have been very, very supportive. Um, but I was starting to have not doubt, but starting to wonder, is this, this is a, you know, this is, the, this is a permanent life change, if this is the right thing for me. And I was listening to Salt and Light Radio. And uh, I remember exactly where I was, you know, you got those certain things in your life, where you remember, I remember where I was when 9-11, yeah. you know, your, our parents remember when JFK was shot. I remember, for those of you who are listening, we're in the Idaho area, I was driving down Myrtle, and I was heading east into town, and I had crossed by the parks, uh, the structures of downtown, and I was crossing over Broadway. And the, I was listening to Salt and Light, which had become a big habit of mine. I was in outside sales, so I spent a great deal of time in my car during the day. And I was listening, and he was talking to a convert. And he was talking about, I can't quite remember what the lead up to it is, but I remember what he said was, a lot of people feel that joining the church is an abandonment of where they have come before. And there's, there's a lot of feelings about that. And he said, joining the church is not an abandonment of what has come. Joining the church is the next logical step in the journey you've already started. And that just clicked for me. It just made amazing sense to me that I, I wasn't, well, this is the link in the chain. First the, first the Nazarenes, then the Methodists, now the Catholics. Who knows what's next? It was like, this is the, like you hear with, with uh, Catholics coming back, you're about coming home. Or, or people who join the church say, I've come home. And, and that just made so much incredible sense at that exact moment. And I knew that I was going to complete RCIA and I was going to join the church. So in April 3rd of 2010, uh, Easter Vigil, I was baptized with my wife behind me. I was baptized by then Bishop Driscoll in, the, um, in St. John's Cathedral. And a couple of years later, we had uh, started having our children. And uh, I'm just absolutely in love with my faith and where it's brought me. And 
it just feels like all the pieces are there on the other side now. And it just makes so much incredible sense. And so that, that is my, that's my journey. And I've seen some incredible things happen. Uh, someone who is very dear and close to me, a family member, I, I love very much, uh, recently just completed his journey into the church. And uh, I got to be his sponsor um, this uh, past Easter. And I've seen incredible transformation in their life. It's kind of people you pray for, just hope that one day they can find that that connection with with the Almighty in the same yeah. way and just on fire for his faith. And it's just incredible. And I'm so excited to see my kids growing in their faith and um and is it's such an, a vital piece of my wife and our relationship and um that's what brought us to it today that's so and here we are well you had a tremendous grace because it doesn't sound like you had to, you didn't have the um just based on what you're sharing the significant barriers that a lot of people deal with um yeah. in, in coming home i i can think of a few people but one in particular where he described that he, I think he was within five Protestant denominations before he considered the Catholic Church. So, so to him, and a little bit in your story, um, it was just an option of where am I going to go within the Protestant paradigm? Sure. The Catholic Church is not an option. And then one, once out of the blue, it became an option he said that mm -hmm. it's no longer, to your point, like a link. It's the end in, in, in a very yeah. beautiful way. Um, it's the final, it's the conclusion of the story. and what Or the beginning said, of the story, but it's the conclusion of the story. Exactly. What he said ties to the, the shards of glass. He was mm -hmm. saying that he was getting bits of the truth at these different denominations yeah. in, in like different angles. I guess, of the truth. Yeah. And then when he came to the Catholic Church, and I think when it was during RCIA, he said, oh, now it makes sense. So I wanted to ask you about that. How was RCIA sure. for you um, in in connecting some of those those dots? Um, a great. It was a great experience. I had, had uh, Deacon Tom Dominic uh, talk a lot of it um can you say that again you, you cut out for a second can you say that again sure sure uh tom dominique the dominics um who we had gotten to know very well already uh taught a lot of our classes uh father mary Yush taught a lot of our classes i um uh, mentioned to you earlier i had a couple of i, I have like I, I like to think of like three real significant spiritual advisors that um I grew up with or, or got me to this point, hundreds of people. But if I had to point three ones that really stick out, I mentioned my my youth pastor in the Nazarene Church, uh, this pastor that um, uh, invited me to explore Catholicism, not, not necessarily for my wife, but for my own journey. It's like, right. hey, you know, she got you on this path, but um, maybe it's time to start learning, you know, what 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 you believe and, and what is the truth. Um, and then the third one, of course, is, is Father Mariusz Majewski. Majewski. Um, we, we had a special relationship with him in um, my wife and I were getting married as he was um, becoming, um, was he was finishing up um, getting ordained. Uh, we are actually the first wedding that he ever performed after um, 
um, becoming ordained. So he, he's been a special part of that journey too. And he taught all those classes and, and has been a wonderful advisor as well. Um, but get back to your point uh, about some of those, you know, darker times or the valleys that go with the peaks. Uh, no, I'm very, very blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm extraordinarily blessed. I, I, um, I, I, I have valleys like anybody else, but well, I wouldn't trade mine with anybody. <laughs> you know, you hear stories about uh, some of these dark times that brought people, and and uh, I, I, I just, I, I'm a, I struggle to come up with an example for that. Um, well, however, um, I will say that there are some people that, you know, like I said, in my family, uh, most of my friends I grew up with inside of the, my church congregation um, are still very, very close to. Um, still continuing practicing Nazarenes, very, very on fire for their faith. They love God. They love Christ. Um, I'm very happy for them. Uh, they, they seem to be uh, doing very well. Um, not everybody's like that. I had, um, um, I have an interesting relationship with the Nazarene church because I do know people who are very close to me that I care very much that have had some difficulty making peace with um, maybe the oppression uh, that they feel they grew up with. Um, I often like the kid that uh, those who have seen Footloose, you know, uh, John Lithgow's church and Footloose. I think some of my family members look at that movie as almost a documentary um, where this, you know, person kind of runs the town and is trying to save everybody's soul. And, um, you know, my parents particularly, and some of my grandparents, you know, uh, my, my parents particularly uh, grew up under these, very, very larger than life men and maybe rebelled against it a little bit, sure. you know, in their, in their older years. And uh, they're both still very faithful people, but um, uh, you know, they look back on it as, you know, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. And it's interesting because I look at it, not to get too sidetracked or in the weeds here, but um, it breaks my heart to see, uh, if, if my wife hadn't come along and I had not been first exposed to Catholicism, I think something else would have happened. That was God's plan. That's what he had for me. Um, but I think if something else would have come along, um, I'm so sad to see. I think the Methodists are a tremendous example of this, but I'm so sad to see a lot of the Protestant churches trying to reconcile with the world trying to connect with the world and i feel in a lot of ways they're abandoning a lot of um i think they need to be the leaders in the world i think they don't need to necessarily make peace with it i mean people come to the church they come to god they come to the sleep the, you know the, the the people have been entrusted to be in charge to be arbiters of the truth and to see some of that lost, it, it breaks my heart. And um, I don't believe the church I grew up in, I don't believe the Nazarene church has done that. Um, I think they've done a good job staying the course. Um, I think they have not gotten this liberal woke uh, culture there. Um, so I, I, I think there's still some good things going on there, but um, I have seen some people who you know are concerned about, well, so much doctrine there's so much dogma there's so much um so many rules in the yep. in the catholic church and it's like yes but 
you know, that that is what makes it so beautiful. It's like saying, well, we can't change this. It's not our place to change this. This is God's law. This is God's idea. This is God's design. Um, we're not, it's not ours to change because the world's opinion has changed. You, you know, we're supposed to be the truth. And so I, I love to see that. And, and I love to see that my, my, my the church I grew up in and my faith, you know, uh, spawned from or, or was born in. Um, but one of the valleys, uh, that I, I do feel are out there is growing up in Boise, Idaho, obviously I was, and I went to public schools. Um, so I was surrounded by a great deal of the LDS population. I had a lot of Mormon friends, uh, spent a lot of time in their homes. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time around, um, LDS kids. And after high school, shortly like my senior year, or shortly after like the summer after high school, um, I buddied up with this kid and we, we, you know, ran around and had a great time together and he was getting ready to go off on his mission. For those of you who don't know, Mormons, um, uh, men, I believe at 18 and, and, uh, young women, I think at 21 can do a two year mission for their church where they go and they're selected for somewhere on the planet to go and spend two years on, on a mission trip. Um, he was preparing for his, 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 um, his mission and I remember talking one night, just hanging out and talking about um, just, you know, having a theological discussion, got a little heated, but it was still friendly. And I remember him, we were talking about the truth, about what is the truth, which one is the right one? What is the truth? This is years before I was exposed to Catholicism. And I remember him saying to me, Tyler, do you believe that the church you're in right now, do you believe... Nazarenes have a complete grasp of the truth. Do you believe that all the other Protestant churches out there are not? And this is, for some reason, the one that you have chosen or been raised in is the right one. And man, did that strike a chord in me. Um, I remember the following Sunday being in the, in, the, in, the, in the pew at church and thinking, I mean, just that, that that just really got me thinking, you know, a lot. And I, I think a lot of that is part of the journey I was on later as well, because part of that looking at putting the mirror back together again is. And I'm getting pretty loose with my with my dates here, but for fifteen hundred years, there was no Catholic church. It was simply the Christian church. It was almost like the Catholic was added on to it to, you know, identify it as this was the original church. Well, it's. The translation is universal, right? So um, it was, if you were a follower of Christ, if, if you were um, a practicer of the Christian faith, you, you were a Catholic. And uh, they, like I said, they didn't, you know, maybe didn't necessarily use the, the, the word at the time, but a Christian. Only until after the split, the Reformation and everything else. And every church that has happened since then, even, that's, even if it does have some of that light and some of that truth, has split off from something else. You know, um, Church of England split off, the Lutheran Church split off, you know, then you've got the Methodists later, the Nazarenes split off later because they were trying to correct course. Then later on, the Mormons come along and they profess that they have the original doctrine of, of Christ and they're trying to redirect us back to that. They're trying to write it. Um, it that seems to be always the case. But you look at it, and you say, well, you know, 2000 years of history, three fourths of it was one unified whole body and holy Catholic and apostolic church. And then it split. Um, you, you can't see where we're at today. 
without looking at what happened came prior, and that was the Catholic Church. So um, I really appreciate my friend doing that because I don't think I was an intention, but you know, he put a seed in my head back then thinking about that as like, no, I don't believe that. But if it's all split up, you know, if I say, well, I believe the Nazarenes are right, but I also believe the Lutherans and the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians, and they all are right too, then why are we split? And I still believe they still have that fraction of the light, you know, or refraction of the light. Um, but the mirror was told at one time. And now I look at it, and if I, if I was approached by my friend and we got reconnected, of course, you know, life happens after, you know, as you grow up and, and, and lost the time. But if I were to run into him again, and he were to ask that question to me and he could say, um, do you believe what you believe is the is the one holy universal and Catholic truth? I can now say yes. Yes, yeah. I do. I do believe yeah. that. Did he, did, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, please. I was going to say, did he answer the question? Was he implying that that what he had? Oh, I think we are both. Yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, it's 30 years ago, but I would definitely say <laughs> that we are. Uh, we were, it was friendly. It was heated, but it, but was, it friendly. was friendly. That's good. But it That's was friendly. But of course, the idea was we would love to convert each other. Obviously, obviously, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do believe he believed that. And, and I don't know what his journey is now. I mean, who knows? For all I know, he's a he's a deacon somewhere in the yeah. Catholic <laughs> Church for I don't know. I haven't spoken to him for 25 years, 28 years, but so true. Um, we have no clue. You know, I think, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that, um, I was thinking about that the other day, I, you know, my, we are raising our kids obviously in a Catholic home. Uh, we're blessed enough that we can send them to a uh, local parochial school. Um, they're not going to have that same experience right there. You know, he hangs out, obviously not every kid in the school is, is a practicing Catholic family, but, um, you know, that, that, uh, that, that was a huge part of growing up. I mean, you, you know, this and that, and he's got family members that, that love the Lord that are uh, not part of the Catholic church. And, and, you know, we, we have to be very careful about that. Saying, we're not saying, you know, we're not saying they're wrong. We're saying they're on that same journey and just like dad. Yeah. And it's really cool because I have that experience. I mean, uh, it's really funny. I I've noticed that um, people that come into the church have often, um, they ask a lot of questions that kind of embarrass cradle Catholics. I don't know the answer to that. Well, why do they, well, I don't know the answer. I should know the answer to that, but I don't know the answer. Well, let me get back, let me get back to you on that. It's like, you know, it's like I'm on fire for it now and I'm excited, I wanna know everything. It's, I, I don't know. So, you know, raising our, raising our kids in a family where, you know, a Catholic family, united Catholic family, but saying, um, you know, dad was not always part of this. I mean, you know, he, uh, it wasn't really a time where I wasn't a Christian, but um, yeah. it's a different background than mom. You know what I mean? And it's cool because I think there'll be a time where they may have those those questions too. Do I this or do I, or do I go along with it because I was raised in it? Can you can you repeat that again? That, you cut out, be you, that, that you source cut of information. You you cut out there again. Can you repeat that? Absolutely. Can you hear me? Okay. It's still going a little in and out, but yeah. try, try it again. Eddie, can you hear me better now? Can you try it one more time? Yeah, Eddie, can you hear me better now? No, it continues to um, reverberate. Hmm. Hmm. 
Okay, hang on. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Button now. Yeah, can you can you speak again? Yeah, how about now? That's better. Better? Okay. I hope this turns out okay. I'm I'm sorry It'll that it I think it still will. I think it still will. There are just certain things I couldn't make out. So, <clears throat> once once you're done, once you're done, I think I figured out what the problem is. Once you're done editing, you let me know. If you want to record again, we can do it again. Okay. <laughs> um Okay, well, if you're okay, we'll continue. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, pick up. Uh, you were talking about. I already forgot. <laughs> talking about raising my kids and 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 being the guy that came into the church and versus. Oh, okay. So so what? So I do hope that one day, if they are questioned, um, do I? You know, when they go through confirmation and they're making that choice for themselves. Um, is this the faith journey for me? Do I believe in this or was I simply just raised in it and I don't yes. know any difference? Uh, I like to be the example where you say, well, mom was raised in it and she's absolutely in love and on fire with her faith. And dad came from something different, but he found it later and he is now the same. He's now on fire for it as well. It's, you know, it's, it's not, I'm trying to tell them that mom's wrong. And, 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 you know, I, 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 I can say, you can say, you know, just because you were raised in something doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to change too. If you find a, a, a better path or, or closer to the truth. So. No, that's, that's good. And I think of um, the opportunity for some of us that, so in my case, raised Catholic and, didn't know anything from a historical point of view. Mm -hmm. So then I was similar to that gentleman that I mentioned earlier, where I was only considering, once I was attending a Protestant church, when I wanted to leave that church, I was only thinking in terms of what are my Protestant options. Yeah. Even being cradle Catholic, previously cradle Catholic, I don't know how to how to state that correctly, but I could not understand the historical argument. It took a while. My point is we can teach our children that perspective that wasn't mentioned a lot when I was growing up as far as going back to the roots and understanding yeah. the divisions that happen to be time and time again in protest of one thing in protest yeah. of the Catholic Church. And even if someone yeah. splits off from someone that split off, ultimately their beef comes back. When I really research these things, the, it comes back to the, pro, the protestation of one church and it's yeah. the Catholic Church. And there's this, this ongoing, not, this is not to say every denomination's uh, open about this, but when you dig, when you dig, you see that it's uh, all pointing to one thing, the universal yeah, church. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, there are thousands of denominations out there, which just blows my mind. I, I can't possibly wrap my mind around that. Sure. It's only been 2000 years. So I mean, really do we have enough, enough arguments to have that many splits, but um, yeah, you know, it's just crazy. It blows your mind, but it does seem 
it seems like human nature is kind of um, geared towards this. Um, I think politics is a great example. Um, there's bad seeds out there. There's there's oh, yeah. absolutely bad seeds out there. But I think more realistically, it's better to say um, we live in an incredibly diverse society um, here in this country, which was founded on a very, very simplistic and basic set of principles. And over time, it has evolved and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think that you, you've got um, people on both sides of the aisle. Um, recent presidents, uh, people that have radical different ideas from each other. But I think really at the heart, most people get into that wanting to make this country a better place. And I think that that's a human condition. And I think that when you do see these splits and new churches happen, I think it is usually a corrective measure or it's, it's viewed as a corrective measure. It's viewed as a corrective measure. Absolutely. You could, you could even use that argument on, on Martin Luther. You could say, oh, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that's a whole nother discussion, but you could almost say, now, is he doing it correctly? No, I don't think so. But you could almost say the argument is, um, I see um, something not happening quite right, and I want to fix it. You know, the Nazarene church was like that. Uh, we're focusing too much on the wrong thing. We want to get back to evangelizing. We want to get back to saving souls. We want to get back to helping the poor. We want to get back to sure. spreading the good word with missionary work. And and that is a more godly life. And, you know, the split and the split and the split. And uh, I think all religions are really trying to do that for the most part. You know, I think it's interesting. I'm fascinated by religion. You know, growing up in, in, in the, the church and understanding church history and my journey. My Mormon friends, you know, where that. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, the Quran, you know, I don't believe their, their, their viewpoint and their story and their testimony and what they're talking is, is entirely accurate, but they have a great deal to say about Mary. They have a book about Mary and the Quran. You know, it's, uh, we talk about the Abrahamic religions and, and I yep. think everybody's trying to, although I believe Christianity is the way. I believe that Catholicism is the most perfect practice of Christianity. Um, we're all trying to get to the same place, I think. Um, of course, ours, I believe ours is tremendously set apart, but that doesn't no, mean to well diminish said. what I, I think. Yeah, you know, the uh, Hindus, Jews, and everybody else is is trying to get to. We're all trying to get to heaven, I think. Well, yeah, no, it's a great, great point, Tyler. Um, the other thing is, I notice. So the people that break off, you know, they're pursuing a return or let's get back to purity or let's get back to this, um, sure. the, good, the good old days. So you see that in every walk of life and you talk yeah. about the human condition. What happens uh, specifically in religion is people will cite that they want to reform something, but they want to do it outside yeah. of the thing that they're trying to reform. So that would be my my main claim yes. against Luther, you know, and this is these are the same charges that get levied yes. against the church all the time. Hey, we are now the church. You guys are corrupt and you are yes. abusive. So you have basically usurped. I'm sorry, you've you've abdicated. Right. And therefore, we are the true church. We are the remnant church. And you start to hear these terms. But again, they're reforming outside of the walls of the very thing that they're saying that they're reforming. So it just happens 
constantly. You know what I mean? But your your point Absolutely. is taken. It's not as if there's malice behind it. And I'm not saying that. Um, a lot of times it's good intentions, but uh there's some uh hastiness a lot of times in those in those decisions. Yes, I would say. And I, I definitely see, I think um I wouldn't say it was always like that. I mean, there are a couple of things, you know, throughout history that say, I don't know if the best of intentions were, were, were done because of that, but uh, <laughs> Fair we point. won't discuss that today. <laughs> but I do feel, though, that kind of brings us to another point. And I think that, uh, like I said, if, if it hadn't been 13 years ago by, by meeting my wife and, and talking to, to the pastor and um, starting that journey on my own, I think something else would have been a catalyst to bring me here to the church because... Um, and like I said, the, the faith I grew up in, I don't feel is being infected by this, but I do see, it breaks my heart to see the worldliness coming into the church about, you know, the church needs to get with the times. The church needs to do this. The church need, you know, this is, this is not considered a bad behavior anymore. Um, you know, we, we need to reflect that. We need to go see the people where they're at and we yeah. need to connect with the people as they are. And I've, I've been actually listening uh, this year. I've been doing um, catechism in a year uh, with Father Mike Schmidt, and it's been wonderful. And I heard something just the other night. I'm a few pages. I'm a few days behind, but I'm getting caught up. Um, but uh, he was talking about. Uh, it's going to be a very broad paraphrase, but the idea is God loves you just as you are. Mm. But I think there is two directions you can take with that okay that's your step one and then there's a comma and then what's the finishing part of that sentence and i think mike once again paraphrasing was god loves you where he where you are but he loves you too much to leave you there that's and then i think there's a lot of denominations out there now that are saying god loves you the way you are and so why do we need there why don't we confirm why don't we conform the church to this way of thinking just and what bugs me about that the most you know what i mean um i i'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here i'm going to say i i think one of the biggest ones is the is the uh, lgbt or gay uh community an issue that is so prevalent in our culture now um it's very difficult for me because people i really truly care about have um been a part of this and they know where I stand and it's respectful. I think one side says, I love you too much to leave you like that. I'm going, I mean, you know, um, and then they are branded as hateful and bigoted and backwards thinking and homophobic or all these horrible words. There are other people that course correct completely the other way. You know, I've seen congregations with pride flags hanging outside of their church doors and such. And it's like, we love you just the way you are because God made you that way. And we will bend our perception and what we teach as doctrine here to reflect what the world now says is, you know, the, the, the new way of things. And I, I just don't understand why it has to be one or the other, because I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um we understand you struggle with this attraction. We understand you struggle with this issue, but that doesn't diminish the love that 
God, the father that created you has for you. And hearing that thing from Mike Schmitz the other day saying he loves you too much. You are not in spite of identity politics that, you know, so rampant now you are not these group that you, you, you cling to so much for your identity, you know, um, you can still be loved by God. You can still be loved. We can still say this is wrong, but you are still worthy of, of the love of the almighty. And we want what is absolutely best for you. And we want what God originally designed for you. And it's not hateful to say that. It's not bigoted to say that. No, it's and, not. And, and I mean, you could apply. You just don't hear that argument anymore. You don't, but you could apply feels- that same logic to any any anything that you're doing to act out on a disposition or a proclivity or what whatever we don't talk enough about that like imagine someone that truly just says i want to be affirmed in my fornication well it's the same thing no you you are loved as a child but how can you <laughs> we cannot affirm that because it's a violation of God's law and true love would be discussing God's law in a healthy charitable way. Right. Um, but, but not shying away from the fact, first of all, we have to speak about the, the slavery that is inherent in any of those areas, any of those sins and talk about, the true freedom the people will talk about the license you know they have this freedom and they have this openness that is absolute falsehood straight from hell um to believe and i mean that's what i used to believe like oh well i'm free Mm -hmm. because i'm not under the thumb of some religious institution for example well the enemy loves to (laughs) obviously hear that just he wants you to continue to think you're you're as free as free can be as you are enslaved to all your vices right um it's just interesting and and i think that has helped me with the solidification of of my getting back to our original discussion uh, my own catholic walk is um, universal truth and i believe that that is what brought me to the church and where i am today and that walk and and the steps that i have taken and I'm just immensely grateful for everybody who came beforehand and helped get me here. Um, I have friends who have no faith whatsoever, and I've had wonderful conversations with them. And um, they've certainly left something with me, and, and I, I hope I've done so the same in return. And who knows what may happen someday. Um, but the, the truth is I mean, our whole entire world, our the entire human race is, is so... We're absolutely starving for it. We're just absolutely starving for the truth. And, and that's in everything, you know, this, this feel good, do what you want. And this is the church and secular society and everything else is just absolutely killing us. It's just destroying us. And, and people are just so hungry for something that is real and tangible and man, when it gets a hold of them, it's, it's amazing. I've just seen some incredible stuff yeah. and yeah. Yeah. I don't think we can go in the direction we're going forever. And, and, uh, that, that was the big component for me about coming into the church. Very good. And I taking that say, next, 
not, not abandoning anything, but taking that next step. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think there's a lot of hope in that, you know, that analogy about the broken glass um, and, and speaking mm -hmm. about truth is at least there's still glass there. So in other words, um, the pe people that know nothing, they have no background re with religion. Um, yeah. They may find that denomination on the corner that represents a shard of glass, let's say, mm -hmm. right? That's step yes. one. And CS Lewis yes. talked about that. We cannot discredit, I guess, those churches that are doing the best that they can. They may even have signs out front saying, come this Sunday, we welcome you, join the community, whatever it is. Yes. We need to pray that those experiences lead to a greater hunger and let, Absolutely. The, let the Holy Spirit do the rest. But yeah, when even though the glass is shattered, what are, what what can we do? Can we reverse time? No. So what can we do now? It's like, well, let's pray that that shard yeah. of glass <laughs> is going to lead them to the complete picture, basically. So, yeah. I was driving in the car just yesterday afternoon. And uh, around Boise, I'm sure you have seen this. There are little church congregations, you know, evangelical church congregations popping up all over the place. Little yeah. strip malls, uh, place goes out of business and they, and they go in there. And I've walked by them before, like, you know, on Sunday afternoon, the gates are open, they're singing and the bar inside. And a lot of people are welcoming you in a welcome. It's just, it, it, you know, uh, one, just the friendliest people you ever see. I see them on TV and, 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 and social media and all kinds of stuff. And we were driving by and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I just love seeing these little churches popping up absolutely everywhere because you just have to wonder what seeds are getting planted in the person who woke up, never been in church before in their life and somehow got curious enough because they walked by and the doors were open and a stranger invited them in and made them feel important or valued or loved or noticed yes. for the first time and who knows how long who knows where it might go you know what i mean uh who knows what is getting planted there exactly. and i think it's just really cool no god knows what he's doing god so. knows what he's doing exactly right exactly right we can't just um get a small snapshot and pretend that we know how this all plays out and and um but you nailed it earlier that, that everyone deep down is looking for looking for that and we should be as catholics as good a witness as we can be to help in the in the journey in some way shape or form we all fall short but we sure as heck should yeah. keep trying so um Tyler, thank you for a great discussion. I love that we went off on a few tangents there. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, I, I appreciate you having me. And uh, it's just been great chatting with you and, and kind of reliving some of the stuff I hadn't thought about for a little while. Yeah, no, it's really, really uh, appreciated. And um, I also want everyone that watched the episode to think about those in your life that are not Catholic, maybe you yourself are not Catholic, and maybe just spend a little bit of time thinking about what we were discussing with the the fractures. That's not the end of the story. 
Um, and we should be praying for, I know it's a bad word in certain circles, but my goodness, we should be praying for unity. Unity does not mean compromise of universal truths, but we should be praying for unity. And if you can take that Absolutely. Uh, to heart, I think, um, yeah, I'm very, very optimistic. Even the news would have you think otherwise constantly, but we gotta, we've got to pray for that. So uh, everyone, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And until next time, take care and God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Catholic Recon. Please feel free to leave a comment. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. To find out more about Eddie Trask, go to www.eddietrask.com. May God bless you.